0: A lot of the times, the best thing that I can offer somebody, whether it's in a healing session or a different one, is that we are all interacting with the world on an energetic level already, whether we are aware of it or not. And a lot of what happens is we have an experience, and whether and consciously or subconsciously, we talk ourselves out of the fact that that was an energetic experience. And so I guess what I'd like to offer out is if you especially if you identify as somebody who's not in touch with your body or has a hard time feeling like they can regulate themselves or even feel a deep connection with nature if you do step outside and you stand in front of the ocean or in a forest or you just lean over and smell the flowers in your garden if you feel affected by that if you feel like you have been altered for the better in any way That is an energetic exchange between you and the natural environment.
1: Welcome to the Our Nature podcast with me, Alyssa Benjamin. Our Nature explores the methods, systems, and practices that bring us into greater alignment with the natural world. The opportunity to live a more joyful and harmonious existence is available to each of us right in this very moment. So join me and let's rediscover what comes naturally. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Our Nature podcast. My name is Alyssa Benjamin. I am host of this podcast and founder of the Our Nature studio. I'm so happy to have you here. If you're new to the podcast, a warm welcome to you. If you're a regular Our Nature listener, thank you so much for listening. Last week, I didn't actually put out an episode, even though It was the week that I was supposed to put out an episode, and I instead took Our Nature on a little bit of a vacation. And it was interesting because I talked to two other podcasters who also were scheduled to put out an episode last week, and they both didn't put out an episode last week either. And for each of them, it was the first time they had done something like this. And for me, it was also one of the first and only times except for last May, I think during Black Lives Matter, that I didn't put out a new episode. So something was happening astrologically, obviously, and something was in the air, but I'm back. I'm back. And I'm so excited about this episode. But before I introduce my guest, I'd love to share a quick story with you. So the other day I was in a a class that was hosted by my dear friend, Alexa. And she has a podcast called Trash Talk Studio, which is really incredible. And I suggest you check that out. But she was hosting a class that I was part of, and it was the end of this 12-week container that we had been in together. And one of the participants went around and mentioned something that she appreciated about each one of us in the class, And when she got to me, she said that she appreciated that I was always very intentional and thoughtful when I spoke, that I didn't always jump right in as if I wanted to hear myself speak, but that I held back. And when I did speak, it was really less about what I said and more about how I said it, my presence. And I was so touched and also so surprised in a way, because if you had told me that that was how I would show up in a group space even two years ago, I never would have believed you. In the past, I experienced a lot of anxiety, racing thoughts, and my feelings of worth were tied to the opinions of others. As a result, I found it difficult to listen because one, my mind was rarely quiet enough to receive what others were saying. Two, I would feel so anxious if I wasn't receiving constant validation about my contributions. And three, I was often rewarded or recognized for being enthusiastic and passionate and for my ability to communicate in an intellectually commanding way. And this meant that I was often jumping in and overly eager to share my perspective and my opinion. For this reason, my participation in any dialogue or any group setting wasn't rooted in presence or to the needs of the moment or the task at hand, and it definitely didn't invite and facilitate deep connection. But over these past few years, as I've cultivated a deep connection with the natural world, and ultimately with myself, I've changed. I've evolved. I'm still just as enthusiastic and passionate as I was before. That that won't change. But that energy is more focused, is more grounded, is less connected to a stress and anxiety. It's now expressed with intention and purpose. And my inner experience is quieter. Now I am able to engage in a dialogue or group setting in a way that's focused on the connection and the shared goals. Because I don't need people's approval to feel worthy, I have the space and the patience to hear others and meet them where they're at. Not only does this make people feel more open and at ease with me, it makes me a more powerful and effective communicator than I ever was before in any setting I find myself in. From the professional to the personal, from spiritual circles to tech companies. And this transformation from stressed to spacious and from anxious and sort of grasping for power to Sitting back and having this quiet power and this presence is what's possible when you turn towards nature and to your towards yourself in the process. And this is the arc of transformation I've really created with my new offering, Homecoming, which is If you don't know, it's a four-day retreat in upstate New York in the Catskill Mountains and a six-week, followed by a six-week course. It really offers you the space and the support to uncover who you really are without all the layers, without all the ego attachments that you have. Because when you can settle into your true self, your essence, and your intuition, the universe shows up for you. And I hope my transformation, my shift over the last two years is a testament to what's possible. I only offer this course once a year, and I currently only have a couple spots left for homecoming. So if you've been thinking about exploring this, if you've been contemplating whether this is the right fit for you, if you feel called to this in any way, hop on a call with me, sign up and hop on a call with me and we can discuss whether this is the right path for you or not. I'm gonna close the doors on this at any moment. As soon as it's filled, it's filled and you will have to wait until 2022 um, when I offer this again. So if you've been thinking about this at all, sign up and we can hop on a call. It will be a low key conversation. It's just to hear what's going on for you in your life and to share a little bit about the course if you're interested i do believe that this offering will speak to the people that are ready for it it's like the teacher appears when the student is ready i feel i feel that way with this course so if you'd like to learn more about homecoming and hop on a call with me you can either send me a dm direct message at our nature always on instagram you can also head to podcast.com forward slash homecoming, where you can learn more about the course and also schedule a call. So if you're interested and something about what I shared speaks to you, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk to you. I also want to say that I'm so thrilled about the retreat part of homecoming. I mean, I'm thrilled about the whole thing, but the the retreat is so special. There are so many magical healers, practitioners, and teachers that will be coming together during the four days. Many of them are prior podcast guests, hint, hint. It's just going to be such a juicy four days full of healing and rest and and play and creativity and support and going in deep and contemplation and joy and ugh. I'm just over the moon about what this experience is is becoming. Speaking of the special people that will be part of Homecoming, one of those who will be co-facilitating part of the four days with me happens to be my boyfriend, my my life partner, David Sleininger. And for those of you who have been friends of Our Nature for a while, you'll remember David because he was a guest on the finale of season one of Our Nature, which was episode 19, where he talked about his miraculous healing journey that led him away from his life as a jazz musician, to in in cities to one as a homesteader in rural Maine where he ended up building a cabin without the use of power tools using only an axe and a hammer and chopping down the trees on his property to make lumber it's it's such an incredible story and so if you haven't listened to that episode I'd pause this one, go back and listen to that story so you have a sense of who David is, how he's let his intuition guide him. And it's just such a powerful example of the magic that comes when you really connect to your inner nature and to your intuition. And I have to say that episode was the fifth most listened to episode of the entire podcast. So I've had, I put out 43 episodes. It's the fifth highest listened to episode. And it's the only episode that features a guest, David, who doesn't have a public presence. So I think that really speaks to the power of his story. And back when it was released, David didn't even have a social media profile. So He just was kind of an unknown entity, and I released it, and it just resonated with so many people. I've gotten so many stories and messages from people about how much that episode inspired them and how much it meant to them. So we're bringing back the goodness of David. He's obviously one of my favorite people, and he is back today on the podcast to talk about how he has been guided once more and this time to step into his calling as a somatic energy healer. David is such an eloquent, thoughtful, and contemplative person. I want to leave most of the explaining of what he does to him because he does it so much better than I could ever do it. And I'm obviously biased because he is my chosen person, but he is truly one of the most fun people to talk to. And that's saying a lot because we literally live together and are talking to each other all day, every day. When I met David, I was profoundly disembodied. And through his gentle guidance and through his example, I've reconnected with my body, which has been completely essential for me and I'd argue for anyone who desires to reconnect with nature in a meaningful way. Embodiment is step one, and I'm just so excited to share his wisdom with all of you. So without further ado, here we go. Please enjoy my conversation with my favorite human on this planet. We call Earth. We call home. David Slininger. Okay. Hello, David.
0: Hello. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Welcome to Our Nature. Welcome back, I should say, to Our Nature. You are the second returning guest I've had on Our Nature. So it's clear that I like you, obviously, because we're dating. So you'd... I guess one would hope that I liked you. (laughs) And other people like you because your episode, the first episode we recorded together, which I believe is episode 19. It was the final episode of season one. Now we're on season three. It is in the top five most listened to episodes of the podcast. So clearly you're a celebrated guest and I'm so happy to have you back on the show.
0: I'm glad to be here.
1: The last time we talked, we discussed your miraculous healing journey, the journey that guided by your intuition that led you back to nature, back home to yourself, back to the land, and to homesteading. And in that episode, we talked about how that return to nature was really what healed you. You were you're dealing with a lot of pretty serious physical health issues, as well as mental health issues. And returning back to nature in such a pure way was a huge catalyst in your healing. So we talked all about that on the last episode. And then at the end, we kind of threw a, a surprise in there about how in in During that whole journey, you also realized towards the end that maybe homesteading was not your forever path, but it clearly had served a big purpose in your life. So if anyone hasn't listened to that episode, I would encourage you to go back. I get so many messages about that episode and how much it meant to people to hear your story and... People felt really inspired by your journey and your vulnerability and your honesty. And so if people haven't are listening to this and they haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen. I'll put it in the show notes as well, because we're not going to talk too much about homesteading on this episode. We're going to pick up where we left off. And so picking up where we left off, now two years later, what has transpired in the last two years?
0: what happened was that same intuitive knowing that brought me to nature in the first place that guided me through the bulk of the healing I had to do that same intuitive voice called me to move back to New York City and in some way or another that hadn't made itself fully clear yet apply the lessons the skills the wisdom and the gifts that I uncovered in my healing process towards helping other people New York itself wasn't a great fit. It was the right place at the right time, but it didn't feel like my home. And so while I was there, I worked through the challenges that it brought up, but I also was keeping my eye out for any signs of maybe what would be the right fit, the right opportunity. First, that came when you were out here in L.A. doing a three-month contract, and I came out to visit. I had never been to L.A. before. I hadn't even thought about it as a place to live but things just aligned perfectly. It was like the greenest, most alivest time of year here. And you just showed me all the right things. And we had such a good time that I fell in love with it. And that was like the spark or the next intuitive hit of like, you should go, you should go here, you should go this way. And then the rest of the process of how we ended up here, things really started to fall into place once I had that knowing. The pandemic hit and I lost my job we had the opportunity to go up to Maine
1: well our lease was up i think that's an important detail right of course because we didn't it all it almost felt like perfectly timed because the pandemic hit in march my lease was up in may i had been there for almost 8 years so that's also important to mention because it's like i had really made a home there so it was a big deal to leave, but at the same time it it just I saw so many people wanting to leave but they had leases and they were locked in and all the stuff was happening but it was perfectly timed and we had two roommates at the time. We were living together with them. We had two other roommates and one of them had gotten into a, a an abroad program so she was already wanting to leave and then the other one wanted to move, you know, to the upper It was just like it all worked out together. And so I didn't even feel like I had to, we had to like kick out two roommates. They were were ready to go. So I just want to mention that because I think it was perfectly timed.
0: And the three months that you were able to spend here were really important for you. In LA, he means. Yes. Because you felt at home here and you were able to build and deepen some initial relationships. You felt like what it would be like to live here and you loved it. And so the two of us loving it together, it seemed like that was a catalyst for all of these other things falling into place for us. So we were able to leave New York at the end of May. We went up to Maine. Uh, You were able to work remotely because that's what everyone was doing. And I was able to spend two solid months wrapping up the odds and ends of my cabin so that it could be insured and then rented to some folks who I found. And so it's been occupied, which is great. Then we had this incredible opportunity come our way, and we were able to stay in a beautiful part of Vermont for two and a half months. You were able to continue working remotely, and that gave me the opportunity to crystallize this vision I had, which was to launch a healing business. With your help and your branding expertise, you helped me assemble a brand vision for it and, as, and also develop a website, which came out. Uh, really nicely, in large part, thanks to your help. And then I was able to officially announce the business, mostly to friends and family at that point, but it it was the step into making it public. So with that in place, we made our move across the country, and we landed here in LA in December. Since then, for me personally, it's just been about getting acclimated to a very different a very different place, a very different landscape, and ecosystem, a different city than anything that I've experienced before. And it's also been a process of, of establishing my business here, establishing myself as a healer here in L.A.
1: So much of the way that you've lived your life and so much of the lessons that you communicated in our last episode together was around Following your intuition and letting that guide you in unexpected ways, I'm curious from your perspective and and how you would share this. What does that look look like now now that i mean you can correct me, but I feel like you've stepped onto your your path like the path you you were you calling like you found your calling in somatic energy healing what so what is following your intuition look like in your day-to-day experience now that you're in this new city in LA
0: well I'll certainly talk about the the work I'm doing because that's I think kind of like the real nugget in terms of I mean two years ago two calendar years ago I was still living in Maine like doing the homestead thing I hadn't even moved to New York yet so it's like blows my mind that I'm here now um but on a personal level uh me following my intuition as my primary mode of like finding direction in my life has been the personal adjustment and the personal growth that's been required for me to to be here in LA there's so much about LA that brings up and has brought up a lot of like deep personal stuff Um, things that I've needed to attend to, being across the country from where I grew up, being in a landscape that's incredibly unfamiliar, being in an arid climate. I did not expect that to be something that I had to get over physically and psychologically. The other thing, of course, is that I chose a rural way of life in large part because it it did match my values to a certain degree, but also I was going through such health uh, trials for so long and consequently... Uh, so much financial difficulty that the idea of moving to a major city and and being in a situation where um, my like survival, my life stability, really is is based on me bringing in a fair amount of income because it's an expensive city. And the idea that I'm attempting to do that while at the same time completely honoring in the deepest way possible my personal path, which of course is this line of work healing work, which I never imagined doing in the past, and I'm kind of just tumbling into it as I as I follow my heart. You know, you could imagine given my backstory and just the sort of almost like ethereal quality of the strategy I'm using to like find my way. It's definitely brought up a lot of feelings of like um again, like basic security and stability and and worth because it's it's the same as starting any other kind of business and especially during a pandemic. It's slow and you know, the money coming in and the money going out and all of that, it's a real practice of continually continually returning to, even when my mind is screaming, no, 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 this is, this is risky, this is uh, naive, having the wherewithal to return to my body and my intuition and to recognize that no matter how panicked my mind gets, and of course, if my mind starts to spin, my emotions get tethered to it and I start to Feel anxious. But when I returned to my body, time and time again, I met with this like very quiet, confident response deep inside that my mind is worried, but my body is like very at peace and feels very confident in the process. That sort of duality, um, of course, I know that because that's been central to my whole healing journey. But this, is, um, this has been a, a unique scenario to do something that feels almost reckless perhaps by my sort of according to my conditioning, but like a deep stillness inside, that's been like an amazing, uh, challenging, but very rewarding experience.
1: It's divinely inspired to me that so much of your journey has been changing your relationship to money and realizing that whether you have money or you don't have money has nothing to do with your self or it's nothing to do with who you are fundamentally as a person it's just a mechanism and a and a tool and a way that we can exist in this capitalist society that you know we don't always love but that is the reality and i do feel like it's pretty divinely inspired that you went from living off, essentially off the grid on a homestead in rural maine now, finding yourself in the Hollywood Hills, surrounded by individuals who have more money than they know what to do with. I think that's pretty activating, and I don't think it's a mistake.
0: No, certainly not. And and money is just one of the many examples where, since I started to really follow my intuition and to understand how to feel into my body and connect to what is actually true for me, I've been called over and over again, essentially to reexamine and, and flip my relationship to many things. Living in a rural place partly was helpful for me because it was hard for me to be around people because of my nervous system, because of certain experiences as a young person. And now I'm being called not just to live in a major city, but to work directly face-to-face with people all the time. Similarly, I became, I think somewhat dependent on being around like nature with a capital N all the time for my uh, self-regulation. It's very quiet, very uh, controllable and predictable. And again, time and time again, I'm being pushed towards urban spaces where nature is not necessarily as accessible and I don't have the same kind of control over, especially the sonic landscape of my life. And um, each time I step towards something that I thought was not for me or that I couldn't handle. And when I soften into it, I discover not only that I can handle it, but that flip in what my capacity is and what I need and don't need actually softens me into a state where I feel more steady, more connected, and safer than I ever did living in a homestead environment.
1: I think the lesson in that is, once again, the lesson that we constantly, if you're on the spiritual path, you constantly come up against, which is your external environment does not... is sort of irrelevant at a certain point. I think the... the. It's not even the goal because I don't think people necessarily strive for it consciously, but I would say the reward for doing inner work is that you become more steady and have a more of a have more of an internal sense of groundedness regardless of what's happening externally, and it's not a surprise to me that That is constantly what you've intuitively turned to, opportunities to soften into that, that knowing.
0: That's right. The function of moving to a rural place was an opportunity for me to begin to touch my own innate ability to experience safety and security and worthiness. And it seemed that once I arrived at a point where I could consistently touch that knowledge in myself there, I was then taken out of that situation and tossed into the sort of the next level up, which is a city and a place where I had a lot of financial obligations. And the real privilege of being here and also a deep challenge, I mean, you've seen how I've struggled and recovered and struggled and recovered. The real privilege is learning that that same internal sense of safety and security and worthiness uh, can be felt here and it's it's only here i think that i would be able to dive deep and draw on those inner resources and now i feel them you know a couple years ago i felt like i had to struggle for my basic needs to be secure and worthy and now i can feel secure and worthy lying on the beach all saturday I would have had, like, I would have broken out in hives three years ago if you had asked me to do that. It sounds kind of crazy to some people, perhaps, but that's where I was at. And it's it's like a whole total sea change for me now to be able to have that experience.
1: So that was what happened to you over the last two years. I want to now get into why I'm so excited to have you on this episode and on the show today, because you have stepped into your calling and this path of healing. And it's so clear to me that this is the gift or gifts that you offer the world. And I think you sharing more about this will help so many people, especially as they connect in with the natural world. And we'll get into that. But The first question I have is, how would you describe what type of healing you do?
0: I call what I do somatic energy work. And there are a lot of people who do somatic healing, somatic therapy, energy healing, energy work. For me, the way I think of it is this. The energy work part of that term comes from the fact that I work primarily with a person's energy system also known as the energy body or the subtle body. I actually really like the term subtle body because that is perhaps the most accurate term for what it feels like when someone begins to feel their own subtle body. But I use the terms interchangeably and pretty freely. The reason why I work with the energy system is because we are made of energy at our core. Um, that's something that physicists and like mystics sort of agree upon uh, which is which is a wonderful thing, and that means that uh, not only are we made of energy, but that means our physical experience, our emotions, and our thoughts are also made of energy so if someone comes in complaining of a physical symptom, there's almost always a, an emotional and cognitive component as well, and as long as I work with the root on the energy level, that allows me to help address all of those components at once that's particularly important for someone who has a chronic condition because over time again just as an example of a physical issue if it's lower back pain but it's been going on for years it's likely affected their uh, their work situation and their finances it's likely affected their relationships because chronic pain and a financial disruption Uh, takes its toll on relationships. And so again, it's really essential to work at a level that addresses all of them. Uh, Perhaps I should stop and take a moment to explain how it is that I do this, how I read someone's energetic situation and identify these disruptions or blocks or residue. I have a particular energetic gift that actually allows me to feel what's happening in someone else's subtle body in my own. And then additionally, uh, other gifts and intuition and also knowledge and wisdom from my own healing journey tells me how to work with those disruptions, how to process them, nurture them so that they can be expressed and released. So the other piece, which is the somatic piece, somatic means of the body or working with the body, through the body. Partly, it's somatic in my mind because that's primarily how I feel the information from other people is in my body, in my subtle body, but also in my physical body. But the other piece of it is I have found that the easiest way for most people to begin to be able to perceive what's happening in their subtle body and their energy system is through physical sensation. And the more someone who I'm working with can be aware consciously and through direct experience the process the more agency they have and the more empowered they feel to be a part of their own healing for example i might identify that there is a contraction in their chest area if they're not conscious of it i will help them quiet their mind and direct their attention to their chest and as like a side note if you're wondering how someone can have contraction in their chest and not be consciously aware of it It's actually a really important point because when we are unconscious of something that exists within us physically, emotionally, or psychologically, it's because at some point in the past, that sensation was deemed unacceptable or unsafe. And so we actually have a very efficient mechanism for relegating sensations that we don't like or that we don't feel safe with to our subconscious and so in this example if somebody is not conscious of a contraction in their chest i will help them become conscious of it and i'll draw their attention deep into the sensation and support them as they explore it closely and the interesting thing is is they may be surprised that as they do that they start to feel overcome by emotion let's say for example sadness or anger and if they leave space for that emotion as well they let the emotion express itself, they may find that there is a thought reaction that comes immediately afterwards. It might be a thought designed to get them to check out and try to resist the experience. Uh, Often it's a story about them as a victim or a perpetrator or what this means about their identity. Or they may have a flash of a memory um, or some other sort of cognitive insight. But in any case, starting with this physical sensation, I'm able to bring them through essentially the full expression of this energetic disruption or block. And it's in their conscious attention to the experience and the allowing of it that creates an opportunity for that energetic block to express itself, be processed, and then released. And that disruption uh, becomes resolved.
1: What's an indication that it is resolved?
0: For them, generally, it is uh, a reduction or an elimination of symptoms. And uh, additionally, they may find that, let's say they came in with chest tightness or a lower back issue, they will find that not only do they leave with less or no physical symptoms, but they find that emotionally they are more stable and their mind is also quieter.
1: With that said, can you heal chronic disease with this type of energy work?
0: I can answer this based on a, a couple things, some that are related to my direct experience and other, other, um, other things that are more anecdotal or even hypothetical. The truth is that I think it depends, and, and there are some gray areas here. In my own personal experience, I was able to heal um, a long list of chronic injuries, chronic pain, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia with one of the top rheumatologists in one of the top hospitals in the country. I have no reason to doubt the accuracy of her diagnosis, but through doing this work on myself, I healed fibrom- my fibromyalgia.
1: Which is autoimmune, if which, people don't know.
0: Which is autoimmune, and I don't believe that Western medicine accepts any sort of um, uh, particularly treatment that, that will function as a cure. But I did cure it in myself through this process. I know people have been able to address issues with um, not being able to become pregnant. I guess the, the best way for me to, to answer the question is all of our physical, emotional, and cognitive issues arise from an energetic base. So conceivably, there can be some way to work with any condition on an energetic level. Whether they can be cured or entirely resolved is a, is a question that I don't know the answer to. The one thing, the one story that sticks in my mind that I think is very interesting and I come back to often is there was uh, an Indian saint in the early part of the 20th century named Ramana Maharshi. He uh, became fully realized at the age of 16, which means that he spent his entire adult life as an enlightened being, which by definition means that he is working with all of the energies of life, both around and within him in perfection, and complete openness. You wouldn't expect someone like him to develop cancer in his late 60s, right? Because if a physical disease is a manifestation of some kind of distress in the energetic system, then why would someone like that end up with cancer? And he did ultimately die from it. And this is where I, I think it's interesting to play with it because, um, The spiritual part of me knows that if he was a fully realized being, he knew the cancer was coming even before the seeds were sown in his energetic system. And when they were sown in his energetic system, he would have known that they had the capacity to grow into a physical cancer that could kill him. Whether he at any of those stages had the capacity to intervene and avoid the development of that disease is a great question, and I don't know the answer to it. I do know that people on that level have an understanding of a karmic unfolding that is often more important than being healthy or not healthy, living another couple decades or not. And there were other moments in his disease where he refused treatment that would have likely led to the healing of his cancer.
1: Aren't there also environmental factors that could have played a role in the development of this cancer that are were maybe out of his control or out of his ability to work with?
0: I genuinely don't know. And I think what's important for me as I do this work is to simply like welcome in anybody who has interest in trying the work and doing my very best to address it as well as I can. And I think that there are ways in which being receptive to this work makes it more likely that you will receive the benefit. I have no indication that what I have experienced directly as the limits of what's possible are in fact the limits themselves. Um, But there are so many factors coming from so many different levels that I'm perfectly happy not knowing and just sort of showing up to do whatever I can at at any moment. But in some ways, to, to, to your point, I think that if, again, just to go back to the things that I have healed in myself, it's varied enough where it might give somebody an understanding of what is possible. So multiple injuries, chronic injuries, chronic pain, lifelong paralyzing social anxiety, depression, fibromyalgia, severe outdoor allergies, an absolute inability to have enough emotional uh, regulation ability within a relationship. Uh, I have developed and then in some ways moved past certain food sensitivities. Uh, I'm able to eat with like a huge amount of intuitive knowing before I eat something, how it's going to affect me. And I don't even know if I've, I've hit all the things that have been able to be worked out, but it's a fairly wide range, including some things that are quite severe
1: if this work is so powerful and healing, why don't more people do it?
0: I think because it calls on people to consider a side of reality that they've never been aware of and that they have been tacitly or explicitly asked to reject. The very idea that a person's chronic illness Say a chronic physical illness could have deep-seated subconscious emotional roots. Not only is it hard to understand experientially, it can also feel like an affront to them, or a rejection, or a blaming. This idea that you're too sensitive, or if you, if it's emotional, then somehow like I'm complicit in my own illness.
1: Yeah, you've you've led it makes you feel like you are responsible for what has happened to you in that way.
0: Right, which is not the case because so much of this happens on a subconscious level. And so much of what is operating in a person's energetic system, whether or not it has certain disruptions within it, happens on a subconscious level for most people. That is largely due to a cultural thing in the West where people are not taught that the energy body is real, let alone how to be in contact and communion and relationship with it.
1: This is sort of wild to me, though, too, because this idea that we are energy beings isn't that radical, even from a scientific perspective, because we all have electromagnetic frequency. I mean, this is proven. So I just think it's interesting that it's proven in the science realm but then somehow there's not a cord that connects that fact to how then the fact that we are, elect, you know, electromagnetic beings and we, we are energy and we are made of water, which is a conductor, how that doesn't factor into what arises within that system.
0: The disconnect, I think, lies in the fact that most people don't have a direct experience of themselves as energy fundamentally. I never did as a young person and as a young adult. If my life had unfolded differently, I might have stayed more receptive to that possibility. But I think even the idea of being receptive to it as a possibility was conditioned out of me. And so I reached a point in my own health saga where. All of the traditional systems and solutions didn't work for me. And so I had to try something different. And through that trying of different things, I had the great fortune of somebody working on me. It was Alexander Technique, which you have covered in a previous episode. And I was given the opportunity to feel my energy system directly. And even more importantly, the impact of having that part of me worked on on my physical, emotional and cognitive state and well-being, And so I don't blame people for not seeking this out because one, they haven't been told that it is real or possible. And if they have never felt it before for themselves, they either believe it's not real or they believe that they don't have the capacity to experience that part of themselves and therefore learn to work with it to like take their health back.
1: And does everyone have that capacity?
0: Oh, of course they do. It's who we are. It's who we are. And it's not simple, because undoing deep conditioning, that is the work that we all do. The entire spiritual journey is about undoing the deep conditioning that separates us from who we are. It's why all the great teachers say that the present moment, our Buddha nature is available to us right now. And there are some teachers who say, if you want to be free... Just be free, because it's all here right now. And so the act of learning to undo layer after layer of what stands between you and even beginning to feel into your true nature can be difficult. And unless, much of the time, unless your situation becomes so critical in your health, emotionally or physically or otherwise, you're often able to sidestep that whole process. And um, even if you want to step towards it, It often takes seeing someone like an Alexander practitioner or a somatic energy healer to initiate you into the process of that rediscovery.
1: There's so many things in what you said. I mean, one, that as a healer, you are not healing the person. You are guiding them to their own healing. It's sort of, yeah, it's a spiritual journey. Like everything that you are after is already within you. And by turning inward, that's how you can discover it. And I also think something else you touch on that relates so much to this podcast and the work of returning to nature is this sense that your true nature is available to you, like you said, at any moment. And just like nature outside is available to us at any moment, and it can provide such a support and such a nourishing presence, and it becomes that pathway to awaken. And yet, we struggle we struggle to do that and it's these two things that i feel like are so similar understanding yourself as a part of nature and understanding yourself as this like innate energy system because everything in nature has has an energetic force to it and energy can't be created or destroyed it only transforms so this is this is what's all around us is this constant transformation of energy and our interaction to it is what shifts our realities. I just think it's so interesting that you touch on this because so much of what I feel passionate about in the work that I do for our nature is very much the role as a guide in what you and, and in what you were saying like All of this is available to us at any moment, but if it were easy, we would do it, but it's not. It's a hard path. It's a path that goes against conditioning, and it goes against patterns, and it goes against belief systems, and it's a radical path, and it's a path that deserves the support of a guide. That's why I'm so excited about the work that you do, because ultimately, on a greater level, your intention is to help people become more embodied, is to have them have a felt experience of what that feels like, like you did with Alexander Technique, kind of get hooked and be like, I want more of that, but then ultimately empower people with the tools and almost the the new paradigm or the new, you know, reality of what's possible for them. And so they can become catalysts for their own change. So can you talk more about that?
0: A common misconception about seeing a healer is that they are actually a healer. But what they, you got this right, what a healer actually is, is a healing guide. And their job is to show you what is possible and yes it is also possible for someone to arrive at a single healing session and to have some kind of profound lasting transformation essentially more or less through the work that the healer does with them that's much less common what's more common is you go to a healing session or an Alexander session and what you have is the experience of what is possible when a certain amount of your energetic load is lifted and what that does is it changes your understanding of what's possible it changes the paradigm and really to make lasting gains because what you've just experienced might feel like oh my god that's incredible but it's really just the tip of the iceberg of what is possible and so what happens is a person who has that experience then has like a new benchmark of okay i can feel that way And true transformation at that point comes from building in daily practices and commitments to oneself that allows a person to begin to touch that part of themselves on a daily basis and make slow progress. With the idea that at every stage, there's a real role for a a healing guide to help them again, give them another boost to the next level, or if an old pattern reasserts themselves in a, a person, a client, feels like they fall back into an old pattern, you have another session and it reinforces the new pattern. And so yes, it, it is a personal practice, but because our culture ignores and turns us away actively sometimes from this part of ourselves, yes, an initiation and some guidance initially and through the multiple stages is essential.
1: What I love about both of our work is that really it's guiding people back to their own inner nature and their truth and empowering them to take back their sovereignty and, and reconnect to their essence without all of the layers of conditioning and patterns and maladaptive behaviors. And I never really thought about it like that until just now, but I think both of our work has to be ideally done in conjunction with one another because something that I, I've i talked about on this podcast and in various workshops is that you can be in nature and not be connected to it. And the only way to really experience the beauty and the support and the Magic, I like to call it magic of the natural world, is to be embodied in that experience. I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that and how so much of a component of helping people become more embodied is about having them take that sense of, you know, deeper groundedness and connection to their somatic selves. And then going out into nature and having that felt connection to then their external environment in a way that's different than if they were not so embodied.
0: I'd be willing to bet that a lot of the people who listen to your show, on one hand, they know what it's like to go to a place where they are surrounded by nature and to feel soothed by it reassured and reinforced. But I suspect they also know what it's like to be there and to also get the sense on a certain level that something in them is preventing the full possible potential exchange, that there's some kind of block, there's some way in which they are still disconnected that's creating like a, a disruption in the exchange. What I think is great is that learning about that obstruction and learning how to move past it can happen in a bunch of different ways. It can happen through energy healing. It can happen through somatic meditation. There's a whole corpus of of meditation teachings that are exclusively designed for helping you begin to make this connection with your energetic body. And also the meditations, like the meditations that you presented in your um, seven-day immersion recently are also great examples of this, where... Essentially, what you are able to do is, um, well, let me take the, the, the meditations as an example because I think that's a great, those, those really illustrate it well, where if you uh, allow yourself to be present in nature and you really connect to one of your senses and you're incredibly mindful of all the subtleties and all the detail that's happening, you actually are activating your energetic self in that moment because the thing is is that the exchange that happens between you and nature the exchange that allows you to feel at home and at peace that is an energetic process and it's happening between your subtle body and your environment so something that seems as simple as deep listening or deep looking in nature through one of your five basic senses that is activating your energetic self and it's just a it's sort of a different way in And it can be done alone or, you know, with guidance for sure.
1: And something that we talked about a bit earlier is that it becomes a self-enforcing cycle.
0: You bring up a good point because there are two parts of the embodiment process, especially in the context of experiencing nature. One is learning how to activate the part of you that can perceive the energetic exchange happening. That is what occurs when you do this kinds of focused sensory-based meditations. And that's essential. However, what I'm talking about with the healing work is the other piece, which is the conditioning and all of those disruptions and blocks and all the things that are gumming up, not just your energetic system, but your sense of your physical body and your mind and your emotions. Those are obstacles between you and a clean, clear, full experience of your energetic system and the way that it's engaging with the natural environment. And so... Nature does actually begin this wonderful sort of self supportive cycle where if you do take a genuine step towards nature and you engage these kind of sensory embodiment oriented meditations, not only will you begin to get uh, a sense of that exchange happening, you may also become aware of some of the blocks that are present. You talk about this a lot. It's like you go out into nature and you get quiet. And then, whoa, you start to feel like you're all like, your shit comes up. Yeah. And you're like, oh, my God, I actually don't want to be here. This feels stressful. And that's important because that has brought something to the surface.
1: That was there.
0: That was all that was there. And it was an obstacle between you and nature and between you and your loved ones and whatever else. So nature has the capacity to bring this stuff forward. And then with that care and attention, nature can support you in the processing and releasing of those obstacles as well.
1: I realize we never talked about how you discovered these gifts that you have for being able to feel what's happening in someone's subtle body within your own. It's not something I've come across very much. I think a lot of healers have a powerful healing energy, maybe with Reiki or something of that nature, but... I feel like this is kind of your, it's like a superpower. It's something that I feel like is otherworldly in a certain way. It's clairsentience, clearly. Can you share about how you discovered that you were able to do this?
0: Sure. Well, it's a superpower now that I've healed a lot of the core wounds that I have. But initially, especially in retrospect, it was a real liability for me for a long time. Um. I used to react very strongly when I was in the presence of anger or fear from other people. And I recall having this realization early on that it was almost like as soon as somebody began to emote strongly, I immediately began to mirror them. I'm not by nature a particularly aggressive person. But for example, I remember instances when someone would get very aggressive with me. And it was almost like I I didn't know what was happening. I watched myself become immediately aggressive back. And it, and it, yes, oftentimes anger can feel like it's it's not coming from a place of control, but this was different. So that would happen early on. And, uh, but truthfully, the way in which I became conscious of it was as I began to explore my own embodiment and I began to have agency over the tension and the release of that tension in my own body on a daily basis, I had this series of experiences where I began to see uh, other people's physical and emotional and cognitive experience kind of bleeding into my own because through my work i was able to make myself more of a blank slate i could unload that burden on myself every day at least in part and so i could then sense when someone else's came in so i i one example was when i went to um to see uh a play production and one of the actors had a tick and i noticed while watching that every time they had a tick my body immediately emulated the same tick and there was I was unable to create any separation. So I remember telling my therapist about that who happens to be a shaman and she's like, you know what that is, right? She's like, that's clear sentience. And that's when I began to become aware of it. I had other times as I progressed in my own ability where I had like surprise spontaneous healings of people around me where I'd be interacting interacting with a friend And I would be feeling very hot inside or the sense that there was all of this white noise in my head, I assumed it was my issue. And so I would engage the various tools and techniques that I knew to release it from my own and I would do it. And then that friend would like stop and stare at me and go, what just happened? And I kind of looked and I, I instinctively knew, I said, were you just feeling hot? And did you feel like there was a lot of white noise in your head, but all of a sudden it's not there? And they said, yes. So I had a series of these sort of spontaneous healings. And then uh, one of the most amazing moments happened with you. Uh,
1: Obviously. Obviously.
0: (laughs) One night, you and I um, were awoken by your acid reflux. And I just instinctively put my hand on your solar plexus. And I felt a bubble, like an air bubble, develop in my solar plexus and again i wasn't thinking about it being well i think in that moment i was like oh my gosh that's her whatever that is is from her but i just knew from all of my personal practice that when i feel an air bubble in my solar plexus what i do to get it out is i burp and so i felt it and i thought i bet i can do this and i started burping and I didn't know what was going on for you. So maybe I burped a half dozen dozen times and then you started to giggle.
1: Yeah, I started laughing hysterically because I was like, what the hell is happening? I didn't know what you were doing. Like what was, it was so weird.
0: But I, I s- suspect you were laughing not because of the burping because you, I like burp all the time, but I think you, you're, that's like how I release energy a lot of the time. But I think what was happening was you were laughing because you were feeling that there was a change happening in your body.
1: Yeah, I think it just, like, freaked me out because something, like, I felt a change. And then I immediately felt, because I had been overheated, I immediately felt cooler. And I was having, at that moment, really physical, like, acid reflux symptoms of, like, burping and my own discomfort. And it completely went away. And I went to sleep and slept really deep. And and then I went home because I was visiting you.
0: Oh, right. Oh, my gosh. I forgot. I had never experienced acid reflux in my life. And for two weeks after that, I had acid reflux. Because I had taken on the energetic pattern that was in you. And this was early on. This was the first time I had ever consciously tried to uh, alter or amend something that was going on for somebody else in their energy body. And I had not released that content. And so I actually had the symptoms for some time.
1: Now, how do you maintain yourself as a clear conductor without taking on other people's energies? And another question, so that's one. But another question that I think people will have is, how do you navigate the world? Like, if you're clairsentient, are you just walking outside, like, picking up everyone's physical and you know emotional blocks all the time? And are you just, like, getting fucked up, basically, <laughs> all the time?
0: I should answer that one first, okay. I think. I, starting around adolescence and uh, starting finally to taper off in my mid-30s, I accumulated an unbelievable collection of physical, emotional, and cognitive issues. Like my healing journey in a lot of ways has been off the charts. And I think that's directly related to the fact that I've always been this way. So I've always been taking in an extraordinary amount of energetic, psychic information from other people. And because of the way I was raised, especially in our culture, I didn't know that. And so I didn't have the tools. And so instead I just got pummeled and in fact like the way that I developed physically even as a very young child I had like deep contraction in my neck my head was forward um, deep contraction in my waist area I actually developed strategies to essentially like short circuit my spine and my nervous system to like tone this stuff down Um, and a big part of my healing journey was not just dealing with my own stuff all of the stuff I had accumulated, but slowly learning how to work with all of the information that would continue to come in. So over time, it's been a balance of two things. One, there is a volume knob, I like to call it, that I can more or less turn up or down depending on the situation. It's probably at its very highest when I'm in meditation because that's when I'm intentionally opening and connecting as much as possible. A very close second is when I'm in a session with somebody because I'm attempting to be very open and clear. Um, But then all other points during my, my day, I have different volume settings that I use. However, I think ultimately, the way in which I have been able to work with it, and this applies both in my daily life and during a session, it's really a product of where I'm at in my consciousness and my own spiritual development, because I think ultimately the less ad- identified I am with anything that makes its way into my energy field, the less likely it is to stick in any way. So whether that's in meditation or chatting with a friend or being in a session with somebody, my my primary vocation, the way I see it, is my own spiritual journey and my own development of consciousness because I think that is what makes me an effective healer. I don't have any formal training. I have really just... Worked on my own consciousness and the sort of um uh the effects of an expanding consciousness, which is these energetic gifts, for example, so primarily, I pursue the expansion and the resilience of my like expanded consciousness, and that is the way ultimately that I like become more efficient at moving things through and out at any point that also allows me to be a healing presence for anybody and anything, even outside of a healing session which I aspire to as well but in terms of like the nuts and bolts of like because I'm not really there yet not fully so yeah if I have somebody who I'm working on who has a lot of anger or inflammation in their body first of all like we'll end the session and they will feel cooled down and relaxed and I'll have sweat beating on my forehead because I'm still working through that information and so I go through a lot of different processes immediately before and after a session I really clear myself out I I release a lot of that tension that I might be carrying from my personal life. And afterwards, any residue that remains from the session, I have to let that go. I spend a lot of time every day in meditation generally because this is an ongoing practice where I'm expanding my capacities and shedding the sort of energetic residue that comes from the ways that I'm still caught. And so.
1: Yeah, when we say he says a lot of time, he means like an hour and a half every morning and every night.
0: Yeah, hours and hours a day.
1: Actually, this morning you did two hours.
0: It's very interesting the way when when we follow our intuition, we are brought to the roles in the world that we, not only that we're meant to have, but that we ultimately want to be in anyway. The first thing I ever wanted to be when I was a little kid was a monk. And then I wanted to be a rabbi. And then I wanted to be a therapist. But like all I've ever wanted to do, I think even like my my true self has wanted to just spend the whole day in mindfulness, in meditation, in meditation. And in a healing capacity for others. And so it's like, in order to be able to survive day to day, that's like my daily agenda. But it's also what I love. Like I am happiest. I feel the best when I'm either in meditation or when I am like truly connected with somebody else in an act of service. And in my case, that's being an energetic vacuum cleaner and air purifier.
1: (laughs) Always needed in L.A. Well, it's so sweet because I always joke with my friends that I'm like dating a little monk. <laughs> the monk next door, meaning in in your healing room when I'm in the bedroom. <laughs> that our work is so complimentary and like like we talked about, it's a self-reinforcing cycle. For that reason, I explicitly asked you to be part of my new course, Homecoming, which for those who don't know, who are listening for the first time or who for some reason have not heard about this, it is a course that walks you back to nature and in turn back to yourself in the process. It's for people who are in periods of transition that are looking for clarity and are looking for answers and are looking for a connection to their intuition so they know which step to take next. Or looking for what, David, you were able to cultivate within you that has led you now to L.A. with me and, and doing and stepping into your dharma and your calling. And so I asked you to be part of homecoming because being embodied in nature is so essential to feeling its, its gifts and, and both the, the, the nourishing parts and the parts that are confronting, but then ultimately are the biggest, I would say, some of the biggest gifts that nature can offer. And so you will be a part of, um, Homecoming has two parts It has a four-day retreat in upstate New York followed by a six-week course where we'll learn different practices to integrate what we've experienced in those four days wherever people are once they go back home. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your involvement in Homecoming, the course, and what you will be offering people who sign up?
0: Well, I'm actually quite excited because I will be able to offer support on both sides of of that effort that I was describing before, which is one, learning practices that can, um, largely through meditation, how you can engage your subtle body, your energy system, and begin to connect to nature on that level. So first of all, it's, it's, I'll be working with practices that can help people activate that innate, inborn capacity that they have and providing people with a direct experience of what that's like. Part of that, of course, is letting people know that, are you feeling this? Do you see it this way? That is the engagement of your of your subtle body and of your energetic system in communication with the natural world. The other piece of it, which I mentioned before, is Uh, anything that is going on in your energy system that is obstructing your ability to connect whatever load of stress and tension you're carrying. And when I say tension, that's kind of like a catch-all term for whatever's going on for you physically, emotionally, or cognitively. I will also be doing private sessions with people as a way to remove a portion of that load that they are carrying with them, which will give them an additional opening and an additional felt capacity to have this kind of embodied engagement with the natural world that they'll be experiencing during that retreat. And in combination, the healing session and the practices should be a pretty powerful tool for each person to take with them actionable skills and direct experience that will allow them to have a deepening and unfolding way of connecting to nature in the future.
1: You mentioned this a little bit before, but I wanted to touch on it more explicitly around how when when we are given an opening, we often have resistance. And it's because many of the patterns that we've developed, even if they're maladaptive, have served a purpose in our life, some type of protection, um, even in your own journey, you clearly had to shut out the world in order to develop the skills to then be in it once again. I would love to hear in your own healing journey, what was the greatest barrier to releasing your own energetic blocks? Like where did you encounter the most resistance?
0: The resistance for me came from believing that my physical symptoms were physical symptoms that my emotional systems were or emotional symptoms were emotional symptoms, and that they were all real, that they were all solid, and that they were arising due to external circumstances over which I had no control. And I guess when I really think about it, the greatest barrier I had was never having an experience of an alternative explanation um, or experience. Because I had never had an experience where somebody showed me that by attending to my energetic state, I could immediately feel a reduction of my physical, emotional, and cognitive symptoms, Um, if I had had that experience, I would have learned to relate to what was going on for me in a very different way. Just as an example, when I first started seeing this Alexander Technique practitioner, this was a very difficult period of time for me, a very tumultuous health period, a financial period.
1: Can you, can you be can you tell a little bit more the details of that?
0: Well, sure. So I was dealing with uh physical injuries namely in my wrists and they prevented me from doing anything involving computers, but they also severely limited my ability to do physical work. And if you can't do one and you're very limited with the other, it makes it difficult to be able to work enough and generate enough income to take care of yourself and as you can imagine because this had been going on for years at this point it had been six years on and off of the same thing i had to develop some pretty severe emotional and cognitive issues as well it had become like an all-consuming concern of mine because it was about my basic survival and independence so when i arrived at this alexander technique practitioner this was my experience i roll in there With my physical issues top of mind, because in my mind, the injury is preventing me from working, which is preventing me from having money, which is preventing me from feeling like I am a stable, worthy, put together human being. And what he did was he placed his hands very gently on different parts of my body. And I understand this now, but he was just sending subtle messages to my nervous system that it was safe and my tissues began to relax. My skeletal system began to relax into its natural state. I essentially, what he was doing was he was removing all of the layers of tension and fear. And when I walked out of that session, I felt like I weighed nothing. I felt an inch taller, my mind was silent, and all of the fears and, and, and like the emotions and all of the worries I had before I walked in there had disappeared. And this was a profound moment because not only did I feel better in my body and all he did was like touch me and poke me in various places, but that same process that had happened to my body made these emotional and cognitive things that felt so real and solid disappear. Nothing in my external world had changed. My financial situation hadn't changed. My employment hadn't changed, but I felt completely and utterly different about all of them. That was an experience I had never had before. It gave me the understanding of how i could work with these intractable issues seemingly intractable issues in my body mind and spirit but it also was a very poignant message about the nature of reality and how as i was experiencing it because those problems fell away even though nothing in my external world had changed and i should add of course that because those patterns those fears those symptoms were really deeply ingrained and decades old They did come rolling back in eventually, and I saw him regularly, and I began to develop my own daily practices as a way of working with them. But he showed me a new idea of what was, like I was saying before, a new idea of what was possible, a new paradigm with which to explore and interpret the meaning and the nature of all of these health issues that had been running my life for years.
1: And that's really the power of a good healer. And that's what I, you have said you aim to do in a session. Give someone a new concept of a different reality or a new baseline, a new felt and somatic experience in their body so that they can turn towards the discomfort that comes with turning inward and rather than seeking other people to fix things. And they have that that fuel to go through that process.
0: And I would just add this. It's a very interesting thing for me to look at in retrospect, but the real turning point for me was not seeing this person. It was having my situation become dire enough that I was receptive to something really different. And I realize now that it was those symptoms that ultimately were the fuel for my healing, those same sensations and experiences, they drove me to find something that worked. And then over the course of my own healing journey, those physical experiences, emotional, whatever, they're the ones that constantly brought me back to the meditation mat or to my journal or to the healers that I had met along the way who were making a lot of progress with me. And so the very things that seem often to disrupt our lives when we have the paradigm shift and when we have these moments of what's possible with the work of a guide of some kind, it's those very disruptive forces that become, they are the ones that drove us to the solutions in the first place. And they're the ones that continue to fuel our return back to those solutions and the ones that we continue to build.
1: So much of... What our relationship has brought to me in a surprising way has been becoming my journey to becoming more embodied. And it wasn't something that I was necessarily consciously open to, if you remember. I mean, when we first met, I was very triggered by you um, because you were your you were so ex, your body was so expressive all the time and i was so disconnected from myself and my from my somatic self that observing you and having you model that for me was threatening and i think it's important to name it because when we feel triggered i found that that's a clue of something to turn to because it's something that we've rejected in ourselves. And I had clearly rejected that part of myself because it wasn't safe for many years. But I sort of went through an immersion with you because we were together all the time. And And
0: it's always happening with me.
1: Yes. And and because you're a conductor, literally, I mean, we're all conductors, but you, the way that your gifts work is you're constantly processing other people's energies through your system. It's almost like I either had to surrender to this path or just say it's not for me and we would break up, to be honest. I didn't really have a choice. And I remember telling my therapist how triggered I was. And I was like, I don't know if I want to be with him. I don't, I'm not into this. <laughs> but there was something maybe in my subconscious that was pulling me towards you and this this journey. And part of it was, I was dealing with a lot of physical health problems and I was really sick. And like you said, sometimes our illnesses or the the hardships that we're faced with can be a cruel gift because what it gives us is also a pathway to our own freedom and spaciousness. And that was so true for me. And over time, just being together, we don't necessarily do like formal healing sessions because it's important for you to be my boyfriend, not my healer, but you've Also, when I've asked, because I'm on my own path, on my own timeline, you've taught me ways that I can connect in with my body. And it has a 100% helped me heal. And so just for context, if people haven't heard some of the earlier episodes of my podcast, when I was first doing season one, I was dealing with pretty serious physical health issues in the form of a lot of acid reflux and a lot of heat in my body. And the heat was so bad that for two years straight, it woke me up every night with what I would call the feeling of a fever. And I would be having sort of night sweats and a fever. And if anyone has had the flu or even COVID, I heard produce that feeling, you know how that feels, it's a horrible feeling. Because night is when you're supposed to cool down. It's, it's a s- soma in, in Ayurveda. It's, it's the time when like the coolness and the moonlight kind of replenishes your tissues and your system. So to not have that, to have it actually be like burning up from the inside was so uncomfortable. And it resulted in me not being able to sleep very well through the night and just have general anxiety and stress and one of the things that you really continually communicated to me and it was a hard it was really challenging for me to hear it when i was going through the depths of my despair with my physical issues was that your body is speaking to you you know just let just listen just listen
0: it's not fighting it's not yeah. fighting with you
1: yeah and once i did and once i was able to surrender a bit I really started to tune in. And, and I just want to say too, I was going to see a lot of different, you know, doctors and practitioners. And I was kind of wanting, I wanted someone to give me the answers. Like I wanted some doctor to say, this is what you should do. And, but for whatever reason, this is really <laughs> divinely inspired. This is my path. No doctor could tell me. They were all just like, I don't know. There would always be something that would go wrong. They either couldn't figure out what was going on or they couldn't get the medicines because they were far away or whatever. And so the message that I continued to receive was that you know how to heal yourself. And really, that's actually the message for everyone. And it doesn't mean you don't go to an expert, but at the end of the day, your intuition, no one knows you, no one's in your body. And I think even with you, with your diagnosis of fibromyalgia, if you had just listened to the doctor and said, well, okay, guess this is my life now, like you wouldn't be here today doing what you're doing. But, and I chose that same path. I was like, I'm not going to give away all my power. I'm really going to pay attention and listen. And what that looked like was realizing that there was so much anger inside of me and I needed to let it out. It was this pitta in Ayurveda. Pitta is a fire. It's the dosha of fire. And there was so much pitta and inflammation that it was actually burning me from the inside. And my body was speaking to me saying, all right, it's time to let it out. And it's so interesting that it came up as soon as we met because I think this, this anger was, has been in my body for years. But it took meeting you and feeling safe with you to actually create the invitation for it to resurface because I think I was ready to let it go. But it definitely caused like a hellstorm before it came out. But what I started to do is I would wake up in the middle of the night, I would feel the overheating and I started to let it out. I would like pound on the pillow or I would silent scream, quote unquote, Um, which is possible, into a pillow, and every time you would wake up with me and you would tell me that it was okay and this was safe and you were, like, proud of me, and that meant so much because it did feel scary to lean into that emotion that I had suppressed clearly clearly for so many years. But over time, night after night, I just kept turning towards that experience, and letting what needed to come out of me come out. And I started to sleep better. I mean, it took time because I think there was a lot in there. But it's just an example in a small way without even having you be like my healer necessarily. And, and you have done some sessions with me where he, David's like pulled period pain from me, done crazy stuff. So you have done like amazing things for me when I've had a lot of like acute pain actually, um, in, in certain situations, but even just like the model of what's possible when you soften into and pay attention to your body has been such a profound shift for me and was the catalyst to my healing, which by the way, no doctor could figure out what was wrong with me. And I even went to the top gastroenterologist in, uh, in upstate New York, where I was living at the time and did this whole, I'm not going to get into it, but like basically this whole procedure, because I thought I was having all this acid reflux and it was doing all this damage to my esophagus. And when we did this procedure where it measures how much he's like, you don't have any. And I said, that's crazy. What do you mean? What's causing me to overheat at night? You know, I'm having, and it's also, I got tested for lymphoma, all these things that can create this, but there was nothing because what it was, was it was a somatic, the energy was like just wanting to be released and to come out. And as soon as I let it, it did.
0: I think that that's a wonderful example that I want to highlight because over the course of those two years, that you were struggling with what was going on in your, in your torso there, you would refer to it every day as acid reflux because um, honestly, it, it was presenting absolutely as acid reflux, it was moving. And I,
1: and I still, to be honest, I still don't know exactly what it was. It could have been, who knows, but yes, continue.
0: But it's just interesting that you were having very discernible, undeniable physical symptoms and you were having them for two years, there wasn't a lot that was obvious uh, up front or on the surface that it was an emotional issue. They were physical symptoms that fit very squarely with a decidedly physical um, cause. And so I think that that's interesting for people to understand that especially when someone is having a chronic issue, whether it's emotional or physical or whatever, if it's persisting, and if it doesn't seem to be responding to the typical treatments, there's a good chance that there is an, a, a layer underneath it, something that even if it's presenting as an emotional symptom, there is perhaps something underneath it that is not emotional at its core, or there may be an element that is not emotional. Which is all to say that if someone is dealing with like a very severe physical symptom, they should probably do what i did and what you did which was exhaust all physical investigations or physical oriented investigations but if they don't produce the results that you desire it would be wise to get curious about whether it is possible that these physical or emotional symptoms are actually indicative of something quite different underneath and the last thing i would say is that what is even more often the case are people who experience this kind of slippery, almost whack-a-mole series of, of of symptoms, where certain times they may be having lower back pain, and it's like they do all these things, they have this whole repertoire of what they do to manage lower back pain, and it will go away, something will happen, and then they end up with gut problems, and then they investigate the gut problems like it's a gut problem, and then. Maybe that recedes, and they deal with a severe bout of depression. And that is just another sign. Again, always investigate an emotional symptom at the emotional level first, physical symptom at the physical level first. But that's another clue. If something seems to be slipping between symptoms, or if it feels like you're constantly trying to whack one mole and the other one's popping up, that's another really great indication that, at least in part, there is a a disruption going on somewhere at the foundation and the subtle body um, and, uh, and that that is worth investigating.
1: that you want to share before we go to the rapid fire round?
0: I just think that um, a lot of the times, the best thing that I can offer somebody, whether it's in a healing session or a different one, is that we are all interacting with the world on an energetic level already, whether we are aware of it or not. And a lot of what happens is we have an experience and whether and consciously or subconsciously we talk ourselves out of the fact that that was an energetic experience. And so I guess what I'd like to offer out is if you, especially if you identify as somebody who's not in touch with your body or has a hard time feeling like they can regulate themselves or even feel a deep connection with nature. If you do step outside and you stand in front of the ocean or in a forest, or you just lean over and smell the flowers in your garden, if you feel affected by that, if you feel like you have been altered for the better in any way, that is an energetic exchange between you and the natural environment. That is the exchange that we are designed to have with nature, but that's also your energetic system functioning in a healthy way, and it's you being conscious of that process. And so if you've ever had the experience of being Beneficially supported by nature, you are already embodied and you already have a beneficial relationship and an ally in nature in that process.
1: Perfect segue into the last five questions. Are you ready?
0: I suppose so.
1: (laughs) A reluctant, a reluctant interviewee. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Okay. What is your favorite place in nature?
0: I think at this point LA continues to be a real source of like the right kind of challenge for me. It's still hard in a good way. And so for me it's the places in nature that like can ground me and make the safe, make me feel the safest, the fastest. I think it's the it's the trees in our neighborhood. We happen to live in a pretty forested area of the city. I'm a real tree person and And stepping outside and being able to to feel a, a relationship with those trees is like the fastest way for me to come back to feeling like it's it's okay like i'm I'm okay.
1: I'm so happy you said l a Yeah. What is the animal, animal, mineral, or plant that resonates with you the most?
0: Oh, that's so tough well i I already talked about the trees. The wildlife of our neighborhood is so exquisite and special. I think that's the other part. I that will be my answer for this. The lizards. I we, knew you were gonna say we lizards. We have <laughs> we have all of these lizard friends that live right around our house, and we have um, different kinds of raptors that live nearby. So we have um, kestrels, which are falcons, and we have different kinds of hawks. That I'm I, I don't actually I don't think I know the names of those hawks yet, but it, it, sometimes you just see their shadow go across the, the street and you look up, and maybe you see them or not, but often it's just the sound, it's their calls. And oh, it helps so much to know they're there.
1: What is one thing we can do right now to connect with the natural world and bring more harmony into our lives?
0: I think taking a cue from the immersion you did, I love the idea of t- picking a specific sense. And really uh, leaning on it um, as a avenue or as a vehicle for presence and connection. So whatever sense that that you feel called to engage, I love the idea of stepping outside, going full into uh, your sense of sight or sound or touch, and just going deeper and deeper into it. Committing yourself to five or ten minutes of stillness, and then being amazed at how differently you experience your environment and yourself at the end of those 10 minutes compared to the beginning. I mean, that, that's embodiment, and that is activating your awareness of what nature does for you. It's very easy, powerful.
1: For those who are wondering what the immersion is, I had led a free seven-day back-to-nature immersion um, it was a journey through the senses where each day we focused on a particular sense and it was in May. Um, and I'm working on potentially maybe releasing some of the meditations for that series as a little bundle that you can purchase online. But if you missed it and you are so curious about it or or you just um, want to experience more of our nature, I would say my The offering that does that is the um, homecoming course, because we will be definitely be working with our senses in the natural world. So the immersion was sort of a taste of what's possible in just seven days, you know, 10 minutes a day, basically 10 to 30 minutes a day. And the immersion or at the homecoming course is where we'll really like go on a deep dive. Right, David? You'll be there with me. I will. What is the greatest lesson nature has taught you?
0: That everything that happens to me is fuel for my own growth and healing. And though I don't blame myself for, in the past, resisting what was happening so intensely that it made me sick, and I don't blame my present self for continuing to resist and creating my own suffering... Um. Nature presents me with every day, all day long, endless opportunities to wake up and to grow. And it calls me to become increasingly wise and adept in how to work with those those feelings and experiences.
1: Complete this sentence, nature brings me.
0: Nature brings me back to it. I could say more about that, but I, I maybe, I don't, I actually don't want to. (laughs) That's it. That's it.
1: (laughs) Complete. Are you, do you feel complete?
0: Yes. No. Yes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And with that, I bid you adieu, our nature listeners. David, thank you so much for being here with me. You're one of my, I mean, you are my favorite person, not one of my favorite people. You're my special person. You're my favorite person. And I'm just so happy to share your gifts with all of the listeners. Thank you for
0: having me. It was really fun.
1: Well, that's the episode. I hope this conversation opened you up to a new paradigm, one in which connecting with your subtle body, your energy body, becomes a pathway to healing and fulfillment in all its forms. This was quite a long episode, so I'm going to keep this outro short I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll catch you on the internet or on the trail. So long. You just listened to an episode of the Our Nature podcast. If you liked this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review it. Thank you so much for listening. Stay curious and I'll see you next week.